This is Africa Digest. Good evening and welcome to Africa Digest. You're listening to Channel Africa, giving you news from an African perspective. We're broadcasting to you from our studios in Johannesburg, South Africa, and we're online on www.channelafrica.co.za. My name is Samora Mangesi, driving the show with Jwalani uh, Tulo, Tracy Boomgaard, and Neto Chimani. Some top stories on Africa Digest at this hour. As Namibia prepares to hold its presidential elections tomorrow, the court has dismissed a case aimed at preventing the use of electronic voting machines. International trade makes a huge contribution to economic development and prosperity worldwide. In economics, shares in Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba surge in its Hong Kong trading debut in one of the year's most anticipated stock offerings. And in sport, Kenya's national women's football team, Harambe Starlets, arrive home to a hero's welcome after beating Tanzania to clinch their first ever uh, CECAFA, the CECAFA Women's Championship title. But right now, it's time for us to cross on over to the news desk. Here's Onele. Excuse me, here is Shwalani Tula with your latest news bulletin. SABC News. Independent. And impartial. From an African perspective. Thank you, Samora. Good afternoon. United Nations Children's Agency UNICEF says Africa has a long way to go in eliminating HIV. It says while South Africa's HIV AIDS response is considered one of the best in the world, the impact may not be great because of the high number of people living with HIV in the country. UNICEF has revealed this at a media briefing in Johannesburg, South Africa, ahead of World AIDS Day on Sunday. New York-based UNICEF's chief of HIV AIDS, Chui Liu, has commended the country for its efforts but says more needs to be done to fight the pandemic. South Africa is leading, whether you look at mother-to-child transmission, whether you look at um, treatment access for children, that in South Africa, even if 5% not accessing because of your prevalence and your population, translates to a number of new infections in children. So if I have to advise, there has to be much more concerted action around prevention primary prevention in women and adolescent girls and young women in South Africa. The World Health Organization and the UN Children's Fund UNICEF have evacuated dozens of their staff working on the Ebola epidemic from the town of Beni in the Democratic Republic of Congo due to the worsening security situation. Rebels, believed to belong to the Allied Democratic Forces, ADF, killed eight people in an overnight raid on Sunday. Residents then retaliated by setting fire to the mayor's office and several UN buildings on Monday. At least two people were killed in clashes with police. Speaking at a press briefing, WHO spokesperson Christian Lidmeyer said 49 non-essential staff were flown on Tuesday morning to the eastern city of Goma, where they will continue working. Lidmeyer added that 71 remain on the spot to ensure minimum support to the Ebola response. 
The Independent Electoral Commission in South Africa is expected to introduce new voter registration devices that will help keep records of voters who have already cast their votes. This will ensure that people vote in the correct places. The IEC says this will be an additional mechanism to that of the inedible ink and replacing the outdated zip-zip device. During the May national elections, complaints were lodged over people who were allegedly able to remove the ink and vote again. The UN Environment Programme says government commitments made so far to reduce greenhouse gas emissions will not be enough to restrict global warming to the limit agreed under the Paris Climate Agreement. It says that a hold hold global warming above 1.5 industrial levels emissions will have to be cut by 7.6% every year for the next 10 years. The Secretary-General of the World Meteorological Organization, Petiri Talas, warns that global temperatures could continue to rise. It's theoretically possible to reach 1.5, but that would uh, mean very ambitious uh, mitigation means. And uh, also for to reach 2 degrees, uh, we would uh, need very ambitious uh, mitigation efforts. uh, And if we don't do anything, uh, the the range is going to be from 3 to 5 degrees by the end of this century. And finally, work, uh, rescue workers in Balkan state of Albania are digging through rubble of workers in Balkan state. Um, they are digging through the rubble of collapsed buildings, rather, after the country was struck by the strongest earthquake in decades. Albania's defense ministry says at least 13 people have been killed. The BBC's Guy Deloni has the details. It's Albania's most powerful earthquake for decades. The initial 6.4 magnitude tremor hit just before 4 in the morning. A less powerful aftershock followed around three hours later. By then, most people had left buildings in the affected areas, but some were trapped in the rubble of a number of collapsed buildings in Dures and nearby Thumane. Soldiers joined firefighters in the rescue effort, and Italy, Greece and neighbouring countries have all offered aid and technical assistance. Headlines at 5.30 for Channel Africa. I'm Cholani Tulo. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. As Namibia prepares to hold its presidential elections tomorrow, the court dismissed a case aimed at preventing the use of electronic voting machines. Opponents of President Hage Gengob feared the machines could be used to rig expected uh, to win with a reduced margin. Due to voter anger over the worst economic crisis since independence from apartheid South Africa in 1990, the National Unity Democratic Organization's Esther Mwinjangwe is the country's first female candidate participating in the presidential elections. More from senior research consultant at the Institute for Security Studies, Liesl Lowe-Vaudren. You know, in 2014, at the last election, Swartz were overwhelmingly won by 80%, and uh, President Harvey Gangop got 87%, which is almost unprecedented when you look mm. at the former liberation movement in the region. So this time around, the prediction is that it won't be that easy, even though uh, really I think everyone agrees that Swaku will win and, and Gangop will get his second term. But it is because, as you mentioned, economic slump. I mean, since 2016, there's been a huge uh, economic decline in growth. The country is in a recession. It is due to the drop in commodity prices. 
but also because of this devastating drought that has really hit a large part of southern Africa. But for Namibia, it's even worse because, you know, it's a desert country and the very small mm. areas of arable mm. land have now been pushing people into really into food insecurity as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the, the ruling swapper is concerned that uh, the current recession will have an impact in the elections? Yes, I, I presume they are concerned because this has been one of the main rallying cries of all the opposition parties in terms of accusing the government of not doing enough, mismanaging the economy. You know, you've seen at the rallies in Bintuk and so on in the urban areas that people have come out purely because they're really suffering um, hardships. Not that the situation has changed that dramatically. You know, the inequality in Namibia has been quite uh, long, you know, ongoing, and there are issues of service delivery, sanitation, electrification, and so on, has always been a problem. But it's true that now the opposition really has capitalized almost on this economic crisis and Mm. is accusing the government of not doing enough. Mm. Now, let's take a look at um, Esther Munjangu's chances um, here. I mean, she is the first uh, woman to run for a presidency. What are her chances? Now, her chances, I I think she herself uh, and her party were only expecting to get a few parliamentary Mm. seats. Mm. I mean, you know, her chances are maybe not that great as, as some of the others, you know, Who've been at it for a while, yeah. Yes, who've been at it mm. for a while. There's some of them that, and then the independent candidates that everybody's talking about, Itula, who, you know, is a member of Swapu and has really been having big rallies and so on. Mm-hmm. So she's interesting. She's definitely a voice for women. President Gangop uh, has not done too badly when it comes to gender equality mm. and pushing more women in parliament and so on. That was one of the reasons why actually the cabinet was um, enlarged because they, they introduced some quotas for gender. But she also, from what I understand, campaigned a lot on the issue of the genocide by the Germans and restitution mm-hmm. and mm. so on in, in Namibia. Mm. Now, when we look at uh, Swapo, of course, we are almost expecting them to definitely come out tops, but of course, with a reduced margin. Do you believe that this uh, reduced margin worries them at all, especially because, you know, they'd be in charge of the National Assembly? Yes, you know, going forward, definitely. But they're still quite strong at the moment. Yes, I think, you know, the narrative of the former liberation movement is still very strong. And I must say, mm. Swapu has really increased um, its support compared to all the other parties, you know, that we've seen the ANC in South Africa, ZANU-PF, Frelimo and Mozambique, which we spoke about not too long ago. So Swapu actually has managed to continue, I would say, benefit from that narrative. Mm. But mm. the generational renewal within parties like that is important. Sure. Um, of course, independence, as you said, it's not that far off. Mm. But mm. there is a whole new generation that were born after independence. And so uh, Swapo will have to, in future, show that it is redistributing wealth. And mm. land, of course, land is a, is a huge Major issue in Namibia as well. Mm. But for now, compared to, I would say, the other parties in the region that are in a similar situation, they've done relatively well have managed to get the support of uh, of the voters 
And to be frank, you know, the opposition parties are really small and they're very divided. Some of them have now thrown their weight behind the independent candidate for presidency, but in mm. Parliament, you know, uh, Swapu is still very sure. strong. But it's almost a trend, as I said, that, that we've also seen it is very difficult for parties to break away mm. from uh, these very strong historical movements that are um, all, uh, even in rural areas, very well established. Yeah. And that was Liesl Lowe-Vaudren, Senior Research Consultant at the Institute of Security Studies, on the line talking to Zekonami So. International trade has made a huge contribution to economic development and prosperity worldwide. This is according to Ajibola Dale, a barrister and solicitor of the Supreme Court in Nigeria and honorary member of the Africa Committee of the Commercial Barristers Association, COMBA, of England and Wales. The African Continental Free Trade Agreement uh, aims to bring together 54 African countries and establish a single market for goods and services along uh, with the free movement of people and capital. This agreement is expected to stimulate inter-regional trade, uh, how it flows, and also to reduce an over-reliance on primary goods exported. More from Ajibola Dele. The agreement is really all about African integration, both from a commercial uh, point of view and also from a unifying point of view. Um, the idea behind the AFTA, which is normally a shortened form of, of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, is to unite Africa both commercially and in terms of uh, cooperation. The idea uh, started from the very inception of the African Union. The leaders of Africa at the time wanted a united Africa that could progress and become a a force in the world and also could have a, as it were, conjoined policy on international international, uh, relations with, with other countries or other continents in the world. And that was the idea behind it. Yes. So, what's the um, AFTA's contribution to enhancing economies across the African continent? Right. Um, really, AFTA's contribution is is likely. I mean, of course, it hasn't sort of taken full effect yet. But the hope is that uh, it will provide clear gains for Africa and its people. Uh, it will help to increase in competitiveness amongst African firms and, as a result, boost uh, intra-Africa trade and investment. It's, it's also hoped to improve business and inv- the business and investment climate uh, to attract, as an African nation, as a, as a unit, and that would help to attract uh, foreign direct investment. The idea or the complaints by large uh, foreign multinationals was often that the individual countries in Africa were really too small to deal with or uh, come in and, in and invest. And the idea was to have a, a more of a, a global environment in which to come in and invest. And that is, it is hoped with AFTA to foster that. And naturally, that will 
encourage economic growth, a lot of structural transformation is also likely to occur. Road networks among African countries would greatly improve. The rail network, to a large extent, would also be improved by the concerted efforts of, of, of uh, the member states in, in Africa. And also, the aviation sector would be heavily boosted because you would then have the implementation of the single, Afri- uh, single air, air transport um, uh, market, which means that amongst countries in Africa, there will be free, free movement of uh, flight with far reduced tariffs and in some cases none at all. So naturally, all this would help to boost the growth, economic growth and development of Africa. And lastly, before I let you go, which countries have signed the agreement? All the countries except one, Eritrea. So the 54 countries uh, have signed except Uh, Eritrea. And what was the reason behind that, not signing? I believe there isn't a particular reason for, for their failure to sign. Perhaps they just haven't gotten around to it. But, but let me say this. Mm. Of course, one or two countries delayed in, in signing. Nigeria and South Africa, notably, more notably, took a while to sign. And the reason for that was the government felt that it was important to research as to the potential impact on the country. Mm. There were fears of dumping. For instance, the poorer, less developed neighboring countries perhaps might become a dumping ground for cheap imports, grain imports from, from you know, other countries in the world. And the fear was then it would find its way into the country without having gone through the proper checks. But that issue has been resolved. And it, in, indeed, it was, it was resolved that it's more likely that after will be of great benefit to even the larger countries in Africa. For instance, it is expected that intra-Africa trade, which is currently in the region of, I think, about 14.6% at the last count, it is expected that with the after full implementation by 2020, intra-Africa trade is likely to hit 52 which is a huge jump. And that was Abijola Dale, a barrister and solicitor of the Supreme Court of Nigeria and honorary member of the Africa Comba of England and Wales on the line talking to Lebuchang Mabange. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NETLE to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. 
I've tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were experience and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. This is Africa Digest. Innovative entrepreneur Debuchomate from Pretoria, South Africa, was announced as the national winner of the 2019 Small and Medium Enterprise Toolkit Business Partners Business Plan Competition for Aspiring Young Entrepreneurs. The competition saw over 1,000 entries from innovative young South African entrepreneurs across the country, all vying for the prestigious title. The free-to-enter competition, now in its 10th year, aims to encourage assist and inspire South Africa's youth to start their own businesses as a means to reduce the country's high unemployment rate by promoting entrepreneurship as a viable career choice. More from David Marobe, Executive General Manager of Impact Investment at Business Partners Limited, a special risk finance company for formal small and medium owner-managed businesses in South Africa. The business plan competition is uh, one that is aimed at uh, young entrepreneurs who want to start their own businesses, but they don't know where to start. So through it, we aim at those that want to get their businesses off the ground uh, and endeavor to provide guidance to as many young people as possible on developing a business plan. And what we do then is it happens throughout, uh, From I think we launch it in youth month, and then we celebrate the winners or announce the winners, regional winners, from whom we pick a national winner now in November in tandem with the Global Entrepreneurship Week. Entrepreneurship Week. Mm. So um, is entrepreneurship key to South Africa's economic recovery and improving our high rate of youth unemployment? It cannot be overemphasized. I think there are many uh, challenges that we have as a society, and there could be a number of factors or uh, approaches that can be done to that can be undertaken to uh, uh, mitigate the challenges that we have as a country. Our contention is that amongst the solutions that we find, we must have entrepreneurs as an integral part to make sure that our economic strategies uh, can ensure inclusive growth and make sure that the democratic dividend flows through to all and sundry. Because when you help one entrepreneur, who cr- they create wealth not only for themselves, but those that they also take into their employ. And lastly, before I let you go, David, why was Debocho chosen as the national winner? His story, I think, is very, very, very inspiring. Uh, he started off literally with nothing. Uh, he had passed his uh, grade 12 or matric exams, but did not have funds to go further. And with only 250 rands in his pocket, he took the initiative to start something that can sustain him. And through that, managed to uh, not only sustain himself, but 23 others who work for him or in partnership with him, as he says. And he's also managed to help himself study further and finds himself now in his third-year law degree as a student. Managed to get support from NASA's and the Fundi system to supply eggs to his fellow colleagues. I think it's just an amazing story. 
which I hope we can have a critical mass of young people emulating him that can really help us in addressing the challenges of our economy. And now I'm having Tabuchomata, who's the national winner of the 2019 SME Toolkit Business Partners Business Plan Competition on the line. Welcome to Channel Africa and congratulations on being the national winner. How does that make you feel? Thank you. Thank you so much. Like, I, I, I'm so much excited. I am, I'm happy. Like, I'm, I'm all sort of goodness. Like, I feel so happy. <laughs> um, actually, it, it, I feel like it, it, it confirms the, the, the potential that I saw in, in, in this idea when I started. Like, it, it gives me that encouragement. It gives me that, that energy to say, what you, what you're doing is, is Actually, you are going in the right direction. Now, now, yeah. now, tell us a bit about your business. What's your business all about? Okay, my my business is called the Eggman. The Eggman basically, like we we are a supplier of of farm fresh eggs to various uh, entities such as uh, restaurants, households, shops. Uh, tax shops and currently we are we are contracted to to NAFSAS and we we are supplying different campuses around around Houting. Yeah, basically we are a supplier of eggs. So what do you think sets your business apart from other businesses out there? Uh, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I what I what I think sets sets us apart. We we have a slogan. The slogan in the Eggman we say that every delivery is a celebration. We, I always tell my, my, my colleagues that don't go around telling people that we sell eggs. What we do is, is more than just about selling eggs. We are selling a, a feeling. We are selling a unique experience. I, I call it the Eggman experience. The way we, 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 we have branded our business, the way we actually deliver our services to, to our customers, that's what sets us apart. Like as the saying goes, every delivery is a celebration. We have fun. We we have fun with our clients. We give them an experience that they 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 will never forget, and they mm. keep coming for more. Yeah, mm. that's what sets us apart from the rest. And that was David Morobe, Executive General Manager of Impact Investment at Business Partners Limited, on the line talking to Lebohang Mabangi. The Global Gender Summit underway in Kigali in Rwanda has seen the official launch of 50 million African Women Speak digital platform that will provide financial and non-financial information to women entrepreneurs for them to interact and grow their businesses. The 50MWS is a three-year project funded by the African Development Bank jointly implemented by three regional economic communities, which are COMESA, East African Community, the EAC, and the Economic Community for West African States, ECOWAS, in 38 African countries. The project will create a networking platform to connect women entrepreneurs and encourage peer-to-peer learning, mentoring, as well as uh, information and knowledge sharing. More from Bazivamo. Christoph, uh, Deputy Secretary General of the East African Community. 50 million African women speak digital platform is a platform we have uh, created at the Rex level, meaning ECOWAS, COMESA and uh, ESE to link 
actually women of 38 countries on a common platform where they will be having information about businesses because we speak about women in business getting kind of information on finance and non-financial services getting information on what is happening here and there as best practices in business and also helping them to network so that they can exchange information share experiences and also do business among themselves it's a platform which is launched today to help actually uh, women to move in this uh, new era of digital economy and we think it will be actually boosting their businesses why 50 million are you targeting to reach 50 million women to be part of this platform this is our objective this is our target to have at least 50 women uh, 50 million women in uh, these 38 countries of course the platform will receive men but this one we shall not count we have the objective of having actually connected 50 women after the end of the project this was a project of uh, uh, three years and it will be ending by the end of uh, year 2020 one may say that there are platforms that have been created to bring women together what makes this one particularly different and how will it work how will you ensure that it reaches you know even women in rural areas in grassroots level to have such a platform this platform actually is special because it is based on a study which was done to find out which are the challenges women in business are facing in our ECOWAS, ESE, and Comesa region. And one of the biggest challenges was lack of information about financial and non-financial services and about actually mentoring, having not enough knowledge when it comes to how to do better business and by linking them among themselves they will be also helping each other bantering each other and also giving actually experience information so that a woman who is on the platform can actually be better informed than the one who is not on the platform how to reach women who are here and there in rural area the idea is not to actually leave anyone behind we are working with ministries in charge of gender in our partner state we are working with ministries in charge of ICT we are working with ministries in charge of youth and also for ministries in charge of education so that we even for ministries in charge of trade we have people who are coming from these ministries and these ministries we bring them on board so that we mobilize them to organize how to reach people in associations in cooperatives in federations who are working in whichever sector so that they can actually bring them on the platform because the work we are mobilizing other people representative of associations, representative of cooperatives, representative of government and non-governmental institutions like private sector, civil society, so that they are the one actually to interact with the people they are representing.
at the grassroots level. And later on, what we shall be doing is just to follow and to ensure by monitoring how we are moving adequately forward. So then how does one actually access this platform? Actually, I invite you also to register because the platform has no border. Even if you are not uh, uh, in ECOWAS, in COMESA uh, or in uh, ESC, you can access the platform only if you have the information, meaning you go on Play Store, you download 50 women, uh, African, uh, uh, 50 million African women speak platform, and then you register. Once you have registered, then you have access. And that was Bazivamo Christophe, Deputy Secretary General of the East African Community, speaking to Channel Africa's Ntlantla Masangwe at the Global Gender Summit underway in Kigali and Rwanda. Right now, let's cross on over to the news desk for your latest news headlines. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good afternoon, I'm Jolani Tulo. Making headlines, the World Health Organization and the UN Children's Fund, UNICEF, have evacuated dozens of their staff working on the Ebola epidemic from the town of Beni in the Democratic Republic of Congo due to the worsening security situation. The Independent Electoral Commission in South Africa is expected to introduce new voter registration devices that will help keep records of voters who have already cast their votes. And finally, the UN Environment Programme says government commitments made so far to reduce greenhouse gas emissions will not be enough to restrict global warming to the limit agreed under the Paris Climate Agreement. For Channel Africa, I'm Cholani Tulo. Just a reminder, Spotlight Africa a feature program that showcases and highlights African issues from an African perspective can be heard every Wednesday at 1000 hours UCT, with repeats on Wednesday at 2000 hours, Thursday at 300 hours, and Sunday at 1300 hours UCT. Listen to Spotlight Africa, a program that interrogates issues from an African perspective. Spotlight Africa. The 15-year-old girl from Cameroon who won the 2019 International Children's Peace Prize has been welcomed back home by his peers and community. Davina Malum was rewarded for uh, her efforts in promoting children's rights and warning them against joining armed groups such as Boko Haram. Moki Kinzeka visited schools where Malum has been preaching peace and reports. Hundreds of children from several schools in Cameroon's capital city, Yaoundé, applaud as they appear Divina Malum, who was awarded the International Children's Peace Prize for 2019 at The Hague, on the occasion of the Universal Children's Day Return Home. They are joined by well-wishers and admirers of Malium. Among the happy supporters of the 15-year-old 
is Malum's civic education teacher Tigang Omaru. C'est grâce à Divina que les enfants ont cessé de consommer la drogue à l'école. C'est aussi grâce à lui que la police... Omaru says thanks to Divina Malum's association, Children for Peace, many young people in their schools and neighborhoods do no longer consume drugs. He says after Divina Malum's educative talks and sensitization caravans, the community was alert and the police now carry on regular controls to make sure drugs and alcohol are not sold around schools and to children. She says she is very proud of the 15-year-old and wish her well. He says besides the award, Malium has been a very intelligent girl at school. Je ne suis donc pas surpris qu'il ait gagné le prix mondial de la paix. Je lui souhaite bonne chance. Malum created her association Children for Peace in 2014 after she visited Cameroon's northern border with Nigeria where Boko Haram terrorism has killed more than 27,000 people and displaced 2 million others. She says she was horrified that children were the greatest victims of the war and started thinking of what she could do to help those who were ignorantly or forcefully joining the Boko Haram terrorists. I noticed that the rights of children, especially for girls, were violated. You see girl, a girl of five years getting married to an old man of 60 years. You see boys who are carriers of bombs. So I decided to create that association to stimulate the civic and voluntary engagement of children in the fight against violent extremism, to make them be peace builders in their community, to also make them to be change makers. Children for Peace now has a network of 100 children across the 10 regions of Cameroon. Malum empowers them to be change makers and to take part in peace initiatives in their communities. She has organized inter-community children's peace camps, established peace clubs in mosques, and together with other children, made a children's declaration against violent extremism. She has been visiting both churches and mosques, and even traditional African settings, to preach her message that children should not take part in any armed conflict and should not get married at early ages and that their places are in educational establishments where they have to enjoy their right to education so that they become good citizens for their communities tomorrow. Malim says she believes everyone can make a difference in their societies for peace to return to troubled spots in Cameroon and others throughout Africa and the world. My message to the world is that when the power of love will be greater than the love of power, man shall have another name, which is God. And that a youth, where you are as an individual, you can change the world and make a difference where you are going to. The 15-year-old says her main concern now is for peace to return to the restive English-speaking regions of Cameroon, where she will take her campaigns for the rights and education of children who have not been in school for close to four years due to the separatist crisis. Malum shared the first prize with environmental activist 16-year-old Greta Thunberg from Sweden. Reporting for Channel Africa, 
This is Moki Kinzaka in Yaoundé, Cameroon. Malawi has introduced a carbon tax on vehicles as the Southern African nation seeks to implement targets under the Paris Agreement on Greenhouse Gas Emissions. This became effective on Monday this week in line with the current national budget approved a month ago by parliamentarians. George Mahango reports from Blantyre. The annual tax ranges from $5.50 to $21 according to a published statement from the Malawi Revenue Authority MRI. However, government-owned vehicles, including ambulances, are exempted from the tax. No reason has been stated by the tax-collecting body for the decision to exempt public motor vehicles from carbon tax. The tax is payable annually, and the amount depends on the engine size or cylinder capacity of the motor vehicles. On Friday last week, MRI announced the move, saying the tax will be paid annually when motor vehicle owners are renewing certificate of fitness for their vehicles. All along, there has been no extra cost on the certificate of fitness. Christopher Mthali is the second hacker dealer in Malawi's administrative capital, Odilongwe. The introduction of carbon tax is a good idea, only when the intended purpose is reached. If the money will be used to ensure a clean environment, fine. But my question is, why motor vehicles and not big industries? Though this needs a massive civic education, we hear other countries have benefited from such tax. But with us here, we have a problem with such bodies as MRI, as people or citizens have no trust in them. Let them come in the open to show us how they are going to operationalize this. James Chavula is Deputy Secretary General of the Association for Environmental Journalists in Malawi. He thinks government should utilize the money collected from carbon taxes for its intended purposes. Give to the environment what you take in the name of the environment. By putting the carbon tax in the account number one, Malawi is actually choosing to put what we owe the environment in a deep bottomless pit which, has, which doesn't seem to give back to the citizens who are paying every day. When the Malawians hear account number one, they are actually scared. What will become of their money? So when it comes to carbon tax, let's always remember that we're talking about our commitments to reduce carbon emissions that are actually contributing towards an increase in surface temperature, which according to the Paris Agreement in 2015, we are supposed to be reducing to somewhere below 1.5 degrees. If we don't, this will create a catastrophe for our planet, which, was already, which is already getting warmer and more populated. As we consume unsustainably, climate change is hitting us hard. So as a country, we should be finding innovative ways of getting money, of mobilizing finances for climate action. And when we mobilize that money, we should put that money in a separate pocket where it shall be used solely to give back to the environment that 17.6 million people in Malawi are not using sustainably as now. The introduction of the tax has received mixed reactions though, with those welcoming the new measure also warning that the money should be used for intended purposes. Some Malawians have, however, accused MRA of collecting two times on the same item. Daniel Nyirongo is a citizen of Malawi. The introduction of the carbon tax on vehicles in itself is not necessarily a bad idea because we know that uh, the, there is 
climate change out there the environment is being depleted by the various uh, bad gases being produced from factories as well as vehicles it would be therefore uh, better to charge the tax on fuel because it will be directly proportional to how much damage uh, that car or vehicle causes to the environment unlike having a wholesome figure paid at once for each and every vehicle as if the damage uh, be caused by each and every vehicle would be the same and uh, it would also be important to make sure that uh, this this carbon tax should be utilized for meaningful and tangible projects to ensure that we conserve the environment imported motor vehicles being registered in malawi for the first time are also exempted from the tax but foreign registered motor vehicles will require payment of the carbon tax at the port of entry the tax was introduced in the 2019-2020 budget with malawi's minister of finance joseph manavika saying the aim is to expand the revenue base and take initial steps to mitigate the effects of climate change. George Mhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. And now it's time for your latest economics news. Here's Tracy Boomgard. Thank you, Samora. South African Airways employees will not be getting their salaries on time this month. This comes in the aftermath of the week-long strike, which saw the airline suffer huge financial losses. Last week, the national carrier announced it might not be able to pay salaries on time. SAA has since called union representatives to a meeting to clarify its position. In an email to unions, SAA CEO Zukisa Ramasia explained the airline had not been able to secure the required funding. According to Ramasia, management's efforts to engage the shareholder and lenders over the weekend were unsuccessful. SAA agreed to a 5.9% wage increase with Metal Workers Union, NUMSA, and the South African Cabin Crew Association. It also agreed to defer plans to retrench at least 900 staff members, but according to Union Solidarity, the airline can go ahead with retrenchments at managerial level. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa says Eskom's debt is heavily affecting the growth of the economy. Eskom owes creditors more than $27 billion. Some of the money was used to build the Madupi and Kusile power stations. He says government will continue to support the power utility as it is an important part of the country's economic strength. Because of the debt and other things, our economy is not working at the level where we want it to work. The government has decided that it is going to continue to support ESCOM. We are not going to let ESCOM go down. ESCOM is too important to the life of our country, so we are going to continue to support ESCO, even though we've got a big debt. Eskom will on Thursday announce the interim results presentation. The utility still faces severe financial challenges and is likely to report another loss in profits. 
At its integrated results presentation in July this year, the utility announced a net loss after tax of $1.5 billion. This was a significant increase from the $135 million loss experienced in the previous year. Earlier this month, the Ministry of Public Enterprises announced Andre de Reta as Group CEO as from January 2020. This appointment was met with some criticism. The National Union of Mine Workers says his appointment undermines the transformation agenda. South African retailer Pepcor, formerly Steinhoff Africa Retail, has become a victim of the Zimbabwean economy and decided to close shop in the country as a result. It revealed this in its annual results report for the 12 months ended December. Pepcor noted the challenges of severe shortages of foreign currency, fuel and electricity and inflation soaring beyond 500% as key factors. Shares in Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba have surged in its Hong Kong trading debut and one of the year's most anticipated stock offering. The firm raised at least 11 billion US dollars from the secondary listing. This was seen as a vote of confidence in Hong Kong amid six months of violent anti-government protests. Over the years, Alibaba has grown from an online marketplace into an e-commerce giant with interests ranging from financial services to artificial intelligence. It's currently the fifth most traded company in New York, averaging $2.6 billion a day. The U.S. dollar is trading at 360.92 Nigerian Naira, 10.73 Botswana Pula, at 100.95 Kenyan Shilling, and at 14.39 Zambian Kwacha. In BRICS currencies, one U.S. dollar will cost you 4.20 Brazilian Hale, 63.87 Russian Ruble, 71.49 Indian Rupee, 7.03 Chinese Yuan, and at 14.72 South African Rand. The U.S. dollar is also trading at 77 pence to the British pound and at 90 cents to the euro. Gold is trading at $1,458 and platinum at $900 per ounce. Brent crude oil is at $63.70 a barrel. For Channel Africa News, I'm Tracy Bumgard. Now it's time for your latest sport. Here's Neto Chimani. Thank you, Samara. A very good afternoon, sport fans. Starting off with football news. Kenya's national women's football team, Harambi Stalets, arrived back home to a hero's welcome when they landed from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania this morning after beating the hosts to clinch their first-ever Sakafa Women's Championship title on Monday. Led out by captain Dokas Shikobe, top goalscorer Shentrix Shikangwa, the team, was, the team was received at the airport by the chief administrative secretary in the Ministry of Sports, Nu Hassan, and top federation official led by Football Kenya President Nick Mwendwa. Stalets beat hosts Tanzania 2-0 and in the girls' revenge for the loss they suffered at the hands of the Kilimanjaro Queens in the 2016 final in Jinja, Uganda. 
Seychelles coach Itlif Nolini has named his squad for the 2019 Kasafa Mensa Under-20 Championships to be staged in Lusaka, Zambia from December the 4th to the 14th. The Islanders are hoping to make a big impression at the tournament to signal their potential for the future, with Nolini picking a selection he believes can take them far in the competition. Seychelles have been drawn in Group C and opened their campaign against Angola on December the 4th, which is also the first match in the tournament. Their second match is against Eswatini four days later, before they round out their pool play against Mozambique on December the 9th. Only the top team in each pool advances to the semi-finals, along with the best-placed runners-up. Seychelles skipped the last two under-20 tournaments, so are appearing for the first time since 2016. The first appearance in the Kosafa Men's Under-20 Championships came all the way back in 2000 when losses to Zambia 3-0 and Namibia 3-1 saw them ousted in the opening round. On to Netball News. The Spa Proteus netball team will be looking for revenge against England in the three-match test series at Belleville Velodrome in Cape Town this weekend. The matches will take place on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. The two teams met at the Netball World Cup in Liverpool, England in July, with the English coming on top on both occasions. Proteus defender Zanele Vimbela is expecting tough test matches. I think it's going to be a very good clash with England. It's been a long-standing rival with them. Um, I think it's really exciting that you know there's going to be a couple of players coming in, new players and new coaches also getting to um, you know getting together in that. And I think it's really going to be one of the most exciting Test series uh, for us coming into the um, coming into this competition. So I think it's going to be really um, competitive. You know, um, every player will be out there to prove them to themselves, to prove to everyone, you know, um, they really deserve to be there. And also just really showing um, that, you know, how far that we have come and also, you know, just undergoing another four-year cycle. And that's a good start for us to prepare for that as well. The Proteus won the African Championship a few weeks ago in Cape Town. The tournament featured the African giants such as Malawi, Zimbabwe and Uganda. The tournament also was the first for the new coach Dorette Badenhorst and assistant coach Dumisani Chauke in charge of the team. Vimbela says the tournament prepared the team very well for the England series. Um, yeah, it was really tough as well and um, you see some African teams that have really improved uh, since uh, some of them since the World Cup and for others that haven't been involved I, I guess you know it shows the really the hunger that they have shown in that competition that they really wanted to be there and, com- and compete for the cup as well so I think um, it's been a really tough comp- competition uh, for us I don't think any matches were easy uh, as well so I think it was giving the coaches uh, also a chance to um, work on you know some of the combinations as well so that was a good opportunity for them to op- actually try those as well uh, for their first um, outing um, in the national team as well. So yeah, it will be really exciting going forward. Vimbela is one of the several Proteus players who are playing their trade overseas. She recently joined the Scottish team Straight Light team in the Vitality Netball Super League. She is excited about the move. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, we are, I'm very excited. I think you know, just learning the um, culture within the Strathclyde Science that I've signed up with. 
um, it will be re very exciting and just really um, continue to grow and learn new things about you know, their culture, their way of playing as well. And I think it's going to be very interesting. Stay tuned to Channel Africa for programming news and sport from an African perspective. For Channel Africa Sport, I'm Neto and Itio Chemani. This is Africa Digest. And that wraps up Africa Digest for this hour. We're back again in an hour's time from 1900 hours Central African time. For comments on the show, do send us an email to info at channelafrica.co.za or send us a WhatsApp to plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven, And you can also tweet us at Channel Africa One. Taking us to the top of the hour is Suryako by Saudi Soul. We'll see you again later.